Welcome, one and all, to Chasing Cutoffs, bringing you the trail running news and views from the back of the pack. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the show. My name is Ben Mead, your hobbled host. So excited to be here with you today. So excited to introduce you to our next guest. I'm bringing you the podcast this week from the very smoky Pacific Northwest. Unfortunately, it is wildfire season out here, which is becoming a tradition, sadly. But that is not stopping so many amazing athletes just getting it done and absolutely crushing on the DFL podium. And here are the stories of just a few. Let's jump in to the race roundup. I want to go back a few weeks and tell you all about the Bulldog Ultra 50K in SoCal. This is actually Southern California's oldest 50K in Malibu, California. And two incredible athletes were absolutely killing it out there, starting with Hector Aleman of Lakewood, California, who crushed third on the glorious DFL podium. About his race, Hector says... On the first loop, I was sort of conservative because I knew the second loop was going to take longer. Since I was just about over an hour ahead of the cutoff in the first loop and it was getting hot, I started power hiking and tried not to overheat. In the past, I overheated and didn't take care of myself, which forced me to DNF. So I made sure to rest and cool down when I needed during the climbs by drinking plenty of water and splashing water all over myself. Overall, I wasn't concerned about being DFL. It was just about taking care of myself and making the right decisions, which helped me with my upcoming races this fall. So cool, Hector. And Christophe Stahl, who grew up in France, has now been living in L.A. for 20 years. the self-proclaimed king of DFL out there. He crushed DFL at Bulldog Ultra 50K. And Christophe says, I could not wait to run another 50K after Sean O'Brien last January, but was worried. Three weeks before the Bulldog, when I struggled to finish the 14-mile loop in the heat during a training run. Thankfully, the temps were significantly lower for my third bulldog. I got some serious foot pain and very rare blisters to get my third DFL over more than 40 trail races. Watching the fog going over Mesa Peak Motorway from Malibu was quite a treat. This distance is definitely my favorite because it allows me to dig deep over a good amount of time. Now I can't wait for my next 50K in two months. Oh, that's awesome, Christoph. Congrats. Do you know the States Runner? Check out statesrunner.com and look at Brian Stark's absolute incredible running career. He's raising a lot of money running across the U.S. And Brian Stark was out actually at the Swiss Alps 100 doing the 160K just a few weeks ago. And about his race, Brian says it was amazing to be able to run for 45 hours and not get tired. I could have gone another 30 to 50K good sleep the week before, proper training, and careful intake every hour of the race made this a lifetime goal achieved and even enjoyed. Congrats, Brian. And finally, an epic tale from the CCC at UTMB. This, of course, is the 100K distance. And Eddie Huang of Singapore crushed 
DFL. CCC officially stands for Cormier, Champelac, Chamonix, which are basically the three most important points. But to me, CCC stands for chasing cutoffs and cutoffs. <laughs> I was able to finish this race as I started the first 54K at a very steady pace and managed to have a buffer of 75 minutes upon reaching the most crowded checkpoint at Champelac. This is 54K in. As the cold came in, I layered up my top and bottom with additional jacket and pants. I exited after 40 minutes. I knew I made a mistake by staying a bit too long in Champelac. By the time I was at Laguette at 65.7K, I was really sleepy and tired. At one point, I sat down and closed my eyes, unable to move my legs properly. During a downhill, I accidentally missed the landing and I felt the pain in my left knee. Ouch, this can't be happening. I started to limp. I applied some spray and cream to mitigate the pain. The thought of a DNF was already haunting me, but I managed to reach the next checkpoint, which was Trent at 70.6K, 28 minutes ahead of the cutoff time. Then came the toughest climb going into La Flerge at 91.8K. I knew I probably wouldn't make it as this route has a steep downhill with giant rocks and boulders and I did it. I reached the final checkpoint before Chamonix 10 minutes before the cutoff. Just another 7K to Chamonix and I have 70 minutes. I slowly walked out of the checkpoint limping, using my poles as much as possible to lessen the impact on my knee. The downhill was very steep, and I knew I would not be able to reach Chamonix by 12 noon. But then, I heard footsteps behind me. Viennet de Dorides came to me and asked me how I was doing. I told him and his friends my condition. He said, okay, we will walk with you all the way to the finish line. And that's the story. The unforgettable 7K back to Chamonix. The unforgettable race of my life. Oh my gosh, Eddie, that is amazing. Congratulations on your finish. And well done to each and every one of you that is out there just absolutely getting it done at the back of the pack. We'll be right back. Once again, producer Daisy's been a little lazy this week. We don't have an ad, but I did want to just share my thoughts on the UTMB. I don't know how many of you were watching the live stream, but I really felt like they missed an opportunity in the last 30 minutes, the golden hour, if you will, they cut away from the finish line and the final finishers of the UTMB to do their ceremony celebrating the top 10 men and women. So just feet away from the finish line, you have city and county officials from Chamonix, you have the race directors, you have the top 10 men, the top 10 women. Had they just delayed it by a half an hour, all of those folks could have greeted the final finishers at the finish line. What an opportunity that would have been. What a great way to promote their race. I hope that they make that change in the future. What do you think? Would you have liked to have seen the likes of Killian and Walmsley and Caitlin Gerben out there celebrating those final finishers coming in? I think that just would have been amazing. Let's get back to the show. My next guest is an absolute legend among the Dallas-Fort Worth trail running community, and I'm so excited to have her here this week. Please join me in welcoming Kelly Mims. Kelly, welcome to Chasing Cutoffs. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you because 
I discovered you just randomly looking at race results one week and I was like, wow, Kelly finished DFL at this race and I'm going to give her a shout out on the podcast. And then when I started to do a deeper dive, I'm like, whoa, she has been running for a long time I have, and running at the back of the pack for a long time. Right. She has got to be a great person to chat with. I am the queen of DFL, so let me tell you. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Well, this is your place. This is our DFL safe space here at the uh, Chasing Cutoffs podcast. So I do want to unpack the discovery of trail running, and I want to unpack your racing career and why you run and all of your motivations and the ups and downs. But before we do, let's jump into the Wayback Machine and tell me a little bit about where you grew up and your family. Okay, so I am from a tiny town in Louisiana called Natchitoches, and if you can spell that, you get, you know, a prize, but (laughs) um, if you've ever watched the movie Steel Magnolias... Uh, I'm not going to admit to that, but yeah, go ahead. (laughs) So that's a true story about my town. Whoa. That's where I'm from, and so um, I grew up in Louisiana, went to college in that town at Northwestern State. And did you have brothers and sisters? I have a brother. He's two years younger than me. Okay. And so we just grew up in Louisiana. I love Louisiana. I love everything about it. (laughs) Yeah. So as you were going through that grade school, middle school, high school, were you athletic at that time? Were you doing sports? No, which is what is so like kind of ironic about the way I am now. Like I was the girl who almost failed PE in high school because I was not (laughs) going to get sweaty and I did not want anything to do with running or I did not play a sport. I was on the dance team and in college I did run like a 5k here and there, but Mm. I didn't train for it or anything or now, some would argue that dance is a sport. I know, and it is. Like, they do work hard. They do work hard. Yeah. And then when I got married, I moved to Shreveport where my husband lived there. Mm. And he used to be a competitive power lifter. He works out. I mean, he was big into all of that. And so it was kind of just by nature. Went to the gym a lot, worked out, did that kind of stuff. But then I went to work. Um, My first job, I worked for this financial consulting firm. And my boss was this just beast of a triathlete. Mm. Did all the endurance kind of sports. And he always encouraged me, you know, you should be a runner. You should should try running. And I'm like, eh. (laughs) What do you think inspired him to want to encourage you to become a runner? I think I always joke with him that that's how I even got the job in the first place is because during the interview, I mentioned that I worked out all the time and, um, and nobody was an athlete. I'm like, I know that's how I got this job. <laughs> and it was always kind of a running joke with us. Yeah. So we actually moved our office to Dallas and that's how I ended up in Texas. Oh, I see. And so I've been here 22 years. I've been in the Dallas area. We've moved around a little bit. And so I just decided to do one of those like couch to 5K programs through a running store. Yeah. And did that, ran my first 5K. That was actually 20 years ago. Oh, cool. And so did that, ran that 5K. And then it's like, I don't know, I'm kind of one of those all in people. If I can run a 5K, I can run a marathon. (laughs) So um, (laughs) joined the marathon training program and ran a marathon that year, ran the Dallas White Rock Marathon. Wow. 2001, first marathon. Yes. And then that's where it all started. That's where my whole running, I don't know, career, if you want to call it, but career started. What did you study in college? 
I have a degree in mathematics mm. and now I have I have a graduate degree in counseling and actually a second degree in math. I'm a school counselor right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, fifth grade, I believe. Fifth grade, yes. So I'm actually going back in the classroom to teach math next year. Math is my oh. true love. Like that's kind of my true love. Gotcha. What is it like to be a fifth grade counselor? Like what does that job look like? Well, it has changed a lot in just the last couple of years since the pandemic. Mm. So with the pandemic, just brought a whole new realm of, I don't want to say problems, but just things that the kids have experienced, you know, Mm -hmm. um, being, you know, in lockdown. Mm -hmm. Isolation, depression, anxiety. Isolation. And then coming back to that and I have lost a lot of social skills, a lot of academic Mm -hmm. gaps, you know, just this year has been, I won't say a good year, but it's been great kind of being back to normal. Yeah. Um, in Texas, we were in lockdown this year. And so um, all of our kids were back in the classroom the whole year. Mm-hmm. Did all the normal stuff you do in school. Yeah, so. very cool. Well, congrats on the new role going back into the classroom. That yeah. sounds really exciting. So what grade are you going to teach for math? I'm actually teaching middle school, which is not my favorite age, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Well, very cool. So let's go back 20 years yes. to the anniversary of your very first marathon. I think a lot of people that run trail and ultra started on the road. And I think it's really interesting that you didn't have any athletic background outside of dance. That being said, how long did you spend on the roads before you discovered that trail running was a thing? Actually, a really long time. Okay, so that was 2001. So in 2004, the girl that I always ran with, kind of my running partner, we heard about this trail run. Like we really didn't even know what that meant. Right. Um, We knew it was not on the road. Was this the uh, the Rockledge Rumble in Grapevine? Yes. I think it was a 25K in 2004. Yeah, so we go up there, and I remember showing up, and like, I mean, as you know, it's so different than road running. Like, you're basically, everybody's just standing around. Um, <laughs> Having a good time. <laughs> yeah, as some ladies standing by us were like, oh, you've never ran on trails before? Oh, you know, you wouldn't have trail shoes. I don't even know if they made trail shoes at that point, but right. they're like, oh, this is going to be really hard for you. And <laughs> we're like, oh, well, we're in it now. So we did it and I absolutely loved it. Like it was so fun because, you know, I'm not fast, you know, I'm not going to, you know, blow it away out there, but it was just so fun. My friend hated every minute of it. Oh, wow. She fell, I think, once. I just remember finishing going, oh, my gosh, that's so fun. And she goes, no, that was so awful. <laughs> I'm never <laughs> doing that again. And and then we didn't. Like, we we ran that race and then went right back to road and mm-hmm. never ran trail. Like, we just didn't even know that world existed. Yeah. So is this just a one and done? You had never trained on the trail? No, never. I had never been on a trail. Nothing. And then a couple of years later, I talked her into doing it again. <laughs> and I think it was 2006. And uh-huh. we did it another time. And again, same thing. I mean, I just thought it was so fun and just loved it, but still never went back. Still running road. I'd become a marathon coach at that point for Dallas Running Club. Oh, wow. And so I ran just a lot with them. And I ran Chicago Marathon a couple of times and then ran Twin Cities once. And I don't know how it really started, but some people that I ran with at Dallas Running Club had started running trail on the weekends. Mm. Just, there's a trail here in Dallas that we all run. And 
I started going out with them a little bit and some girls that I ran with were like, Hey, we could do a 50 K. I mean, if we can do a marathon, we can do a 50 K. <laughs> yeah. And so I ran Rockledge the 50 K in 2014. Yeah. And that was the first one. That was first ultra. First ultra. For, yeah. And that's kind of where it started from there. Yeah. What is that local trail that everyone tends to hit in Dallas? Well, the one we used to always hit was called Cedar Ridge Preserve. Pretty much everyone in Dallas knows about it because if you go out there on a Saturday now, you better get there at six o'clock or you're not going to <laughs> depart. But we do have some, you know, a few good trails here in Dallas. Of course, we're pretty much flatlanders here. I mean, yeah. There's nothing compared to probably some of the things that you guys have. Oh, yeah. Here in Washington? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah we don't have that here. Um, I have an incline trainer treadmill <laughs> that um, I have to use for that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you do your very first 50K in 2014. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I know that you had thrown in a couple of other 25K, 18K, et cetera, kind of in between there. Oh, yeah. What was that first ultra experience like? Do you have any specific memories from that as far as um, getting past that marathon distance? You know, I do remember it was pretty rough coming in. Like it was it was hard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, was you definitely hard. finished at the back of the pack. Yeah, I did. Cause I remember the back then they had a um, special beer brewed for that race. I remember thinking, Oh, I'm going to run in, get my beer. And they're all gone. <laughs> <laughs> when I got back and I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, there's so many people that can relate to that exact scenario. I'm like, wait, you know, there's, I mean, there's, but I do just remember like how cool it was at the end. Like there was all this food, you know, I remember there, you know, being from Louisiana, there was red beans and rice and jambalaya at the end. And it was just so fun. Yeah. Like people yeah. were just hanging out, you know, at road races, you know, you, you finish, you get your stuff and you kind of leave. Right. It right, was really, right. it was really good. That's awesome. And I'm curious about your finish times on the road. Did they compare to the trail? Were you much faster on the road? I wasn't much faster. I was faster though. Mm -hmm. Like my marathon time, I think my best marathon was maybe a 435. So okay. not smoking fast. I mean, yeah. by any means. But I think my training was a lot different also. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, but I always found nothing against road running at all. <laughs> but it's stressful. It's like you mm. just always feel like you have to go fast. Every second counts. And for someone who's not fast, that's stressful. That's like my worst nightmare is running a 5K. Like I don't want to go yeah. run a 5K. That's yeah. stressful. Um, <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> and you feel like if you walk, you know, it's like you can't walk or you shouldn't walk. Or yeah. That's what's great about yeah. trail running. I mean, mm -hmm. you have to walk sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm also really curious about the circa 2014, 2015, 2016. What was the trail running community like in the Dallas area at that time? I mean, from my perspective, it didn't really exist. I mean, it may have maybe because out there like where Rockledge Rumble is in Grapevine, you know, I think there was some more trail running going on because that's kind of where the trails are located. Mm -hmm. 
but you know, I was still kind of mainly in Dallas and um, didn't I didn't really know a lot about it at all. Right. So you didn't have a whole community around you, a bunch of other trail runners no. that are like, oh, we're all going to go do this race or no. let's all go train. Yeah. And I guess about that time is when Trail Running Over Texas, Rob Goyan kind of formed that company. I'm guessing mm-hmm. around that because that's when we started hearing about it. Because I know 2015, I guess, we went and ran one of his races out in Possum Kingdom. Yeah, that was 2016. April of 2016, you did the 56K. Yes. And that was kind of a crazy thing because I was signed up for the 17-miler for that race. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And I went out with two other girls. And on the way there, one of them was signed up for the 56K and one of them was signed up for the 50-miler. And the 56K girl was like, I think I'm going to drop down the 17. And in my mind, the whole time, I kept thinking, I know I can run that 50K. I said, okay, I'm going to run the 56K. And I still love that. I mean, that's a great race. Well, this is two years after your first 50K. I mean, were you really trained yeah. for it at that point? Um, I was still training with DR, with Dallas Running Club and still okay. doing their marathon group. Okay. So you're like, I can do this. I'm like, yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I will not lie. That's kind of my philosophy still now. I mean, I train much better now, <laughs> mm-hmm. but... There are times when I'm like, I know I can just grind this out at the end. Uh Probably not the best um, philosophy, training philosophy. My coach would probably not want to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of your coach, it's been five years, I think, since you've had a coach in your life. Yes. And I believe I read that you said that you had run the Wildflower Trail Run 50K Mm -hmm. in May of 2017 and didn't feel the greatest about that race and how that race went right it was just like I I mean I finished and I just know like every time I'd race the middle part I would kind of hit a wall Mm. it was always around like that kind of 20 mile mark and then kind of get a second win but I was just basically training myself and just kind of Mm. going off what I knew from marathon training and just going out and doing some long runs but nothing really structured by then I knew a lot more people in the trail running community and some of them mm-hmm. had, you know, hired some coaches and just started asking around. I had a real good friend that we actually ran our first marathon together. So I'd known her and she had the kind of the same story as me as far as getting into trail running. Mm-hmm. She had hired a coach, not Greg, but a coach. And I said, Hey, when you were looking for coaches, you know, who else was out there? You know, cause mm-hmm. there weren't really a lot of coaches that we knew sure. of. And so she goes, well, there's this guy, Greg Sissengrath. Um, I know he goes out and supports all of his athletes at their races. And I just hear really oh, good things. About him. And come cool. to find out he was at that race at Possum Kingdom oh. <laughs> that I ran. He was the sweeper. Oh, nice. And so I just emailed him and was getting ready to go to Mohican to do my first 50 miler in Ohio. First 50 miler. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, why go to all the way to Ohio for a race? Well, I live in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hot here in the summer. Yeah. I was like, I had already set my mind that I wanted to do a 50 miler and there was no way I was going to do that in Texas. Right. In the summertime. Right. And so, yeah, I don't know. I just started searching and there was just something about Mohican that kind of appealed to me. I like those old races. Yeah. So you had reached out to Greg and decided to hire him to prepare for Mohican. Yeah. I just remember my email and then like the next day all of a sudden I had this training plan. <laughs> like, okay, then we're going with this. And yeah. it really was like the best decision I ever made. Wow. A lot of people think you have to be elite or you know, super competitive races to have a coach. And that I think is completely untrue. Tell me about 
what you've learned from your coach and and what the benefit is. Oh gosh, I've learned everything. (laughs) He does what I don't have time to do. Like he's constantly reading about the science and like all of the background Mm -hmm. of running. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's constantly changing our training. In five years, I can look over my training plan and see how it's changed, you know, different things he's had us do. But for me, it's the accountability. It's just knowing, like, for example, at Flower Moon, the race that I just ran. Yeah. That was actually a terrible day for me personally. Like, I just had a terrible race. Everything that could go wrong in a race went wrong for me that day. But then in the back of your mind, you're thinking, what would Greg say? Like, what would Greg say? And he's always going to say, well, you keep moving. Can you walk? Can you hike? He's like your Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> he is. And then there's just that accountability of you don't want to let him down. It's He's your Yoda. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like having a parent and just knowing that you don't want to call and go, well, I quit or I dropped right. just for no reason. I mean, there's, there are reasons to drop. I'm not saying that, but you want to have a good one. <laughs> You're going to call it. And did you feel a, a demonstrable difference when you did go run Mohican in 2017? Um. Probably not huge. I mean, because we'd only been together kind of a month or so. Mm-hmm. I do remember like going there and now it's kind of funny to look back, but right when I drove up to like packet pickup, the hills there are big. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I've never done this much climb. We don't have hills in Texas. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is, it was about 6,000 feet. I think is the 50 miler there. Yeah. Thinking, oh wow, this is going to be different. <laughs> and I'm assuming you didn't have an incline trainer in 2017. No. And our <laughs> poles, like I remember seeing someone with poles thinking, why are they, using, you know, why would you use poles in a, you know, a 50 right. mile pole? Now I know, now I know. <laughs> but <laughs> since then, just looking back at the gains I've made, you know, climbing um, or just everything really mm-hmm. with Greg, it's just, it's been huge. That's awesome. When you had Mohican on the calendar mm-hmm. in June of 2017, was the Dinosaur Valley 100K in November already on the calendar, or did you put that on after the 50 miler? No, it was after the 50 miler. So you got uh, ultra sign up fever. You were just like, I can do this. Oh, yeah. You know, you come back and you're like, oh, I run a 50 miler. I'm going to run a 100K now, you know? And um, yeah, so we put that on the calendar right after I came back from Mohican. That's awesome. And I ask you that question about that 100K in November because that was your last 100K. And, and yes. yeah, I know you did a hundred miler after that. And I want to yes. chat about that, but how did that race go for you? And was that informative or instructive with all these other races that you've run? Because you haven't really gone back to the super long distance ever since. No. So ran the hundred K at Dino Valley. So I learned a lot maybe about gear. So at that time, the hundred K at Dino Valley had, you did two water crossings per loop, like big water crossings. So okay. you got wet. Like how deep? Um, you know, um, mid shin. Okay. Like okay. your feet were completely wet. I did not know the importance of socks at that point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I learned them real fast. Yeah. Um, because I had you know major blister issues in that race, and there were some course issues with that race, like the markings got pulled up. Um, I thought I was lost in, in the middle of the night, but I wasn't, and so mm. there was some backtracking. It actually ended up running seventy miles that day. Ah, okay. But it, we, I learned a ton. Uh, I mean, like yeah. you said, like it was hot. Learned what worked nutrition-wise for me on a longer race. Mm. Learned, you know, like I said, socks. You don't think about how important 
socks are, but they are very important and have learned since a lot of gear. Yeah. And over the course of the next year, Mm -hmm. throughout 2018, it appears from your results that you're building up toward the Arkansas Traveler 100 mile. Yes. Was that the case or did you also just kind of throw that on the calendar at the last minute? No, that wasn't the last minute thing. Like right after Donner Valley, I knew I wanted to do a hundred miler. Okay. At that point, you know, I was completely off the road. Like I wasn't doing any road running at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Just the trail running community in Dallas had just exploded. Oh, that's awesome. Or from my perspective, I had because a lot of people I knew from road had switched over. And then all these people I met through Greg and our whole team ninja. Yeah. And so Arkansas, I cannot say like anything bad. That is the best race ever. Oh, wow. Well, I do want to ask you about that race, but I'm curious about the journey to get there because you ran several races on the way. Yes. 50 milers, 50 Ks, 25 Mm -hmm. Ks. You even went to Broken Arrow and did their 26 K out in Lake Tahoe. Did you just throw that in with a vacation or something? No. What happened with that is Rob Goyan, who owns Trail Racing Over Texas, I was an ambassador for them for a trot. And at that point, Rob had had leg surgery Mm. and he was the race director for also Sky Running. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he needed someone to go out to that race and bring gear and work a booth. And so he let me and another ambassador drive his van from Houston all the way to Lake Tahoe and run his booth. And oh, by the way, you get to run the race. That's awesome. Oh, it was crazy. It was fun. That sounds like a really, really cool experience. Yeah, and that's got to be the most beautiful place I've ever ran. Oh, for sure. Lake Tahoe is incredible. It's amazing. And I didn't know well in advance I was going. So there was not a lot of vert training before that. <laughs> 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 right? So, you know, you get there, you don't even know what a climb is until you've done, you know, right. like that. But tell me a little bit about Arkansas Traveler and why was that an amazing race for you? Your first hundred miler, Perryville, Arkansas. This is October of 2018. Not yes. only your first hundred miler, but your only hundred miler to date. Right. So that race, it is kind of Arkansas's premier race. I mean, Arkansas puts on that race. And I mean, the support there is second to none. The volunteers are amazing. And if you read the course description for that race, you know, it says there's really only eight miles on the Watchtaw Trail. Mm. But the rest they describe as, you know, ATV roads and well, what they describe as a road, I don't know what could possibly drive on those roads. <laughs> <laughs> there is more like trail. Like it's surprisingly a, a harder race than you think. Mm. But it's just the feel. You know, it's one of the oldest 100s out there. Mm-hmm. The feel of that race is so special. I love everything about that race. I've gotten to pace that race a few times since then. Oh, cool. And every time I go back, I'm like, oh, I want to go back here and run this race. Because what's crazy, you talk about DFL. So I was the last female finisher of that race. <laughs> in 2018. In 2018. Nice. And the finish was just so special because it was brutal. You know, last, probably from mile 90 to 97, mm. I did not run one st- <laughs> step. Mm-hmm. And at that point, if you finish, you know, 30 hours was the cutoff. But if you finish over 30 hours, you didn't get the official finish, but you did get the buckle. Okay. And so I was kind of like, I don't even care about the finish. I just want the buckle. And, you know, and my pacer, who is actually Greg's wife, Fiona, 
you know, so we're dredging along and here comes Greg down the trail in his flip-flops, I should add, meets us at like 97 and a half. And at that point I was not going to make the 30 hours. Like if I would have just kept hiking in. Right. And I just remember him saying, you know, this is going to hurt worse than anything you've ever done, <laughs> but I needed to run. <laughs> oh my um, gosh. But ended up running the fastest two miles of the whole race. That is a coach. Yeah. And so, and he ran with me in those flip flops. Oh my gosh. And you made it under 30 hours. Made it yeah, in uh, under 30 hours. And it was just so worth it. Like everything was worth it. I just kept thinking, I'm either going to die or I'm going to finish under 30 hours. I don't know. And so the next year, his wife, Fiona, ran that race. Mm. And I paced her, and we were DFL. Uh. <laughs> so I'm like, we are really good at this. Like, yeah. we're really good at it. Has there ever come a time for you from all these back-of-the-pack finishes where you ever questioned, is this for me? Like, I'm so slow. Like, do I even belong out here? Oh, Yeah. For sure. Because you know, like, I don't want to really do easy races. Mm. And so then you think, okay, I've got to be able to make the cutoffs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you talk about Arkansas being my only hundred. I actually ran Pinhoti the next year, Oh, but got pulled. Like I didn't make the cutoff at mile 55. Oh, okay. And so that's when I realized, you know, okay, I have to put the training in and like, cause I know I can do it. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that experience at Pinhoti. Well, that was 2019 when you got a official DNF, got pulled off the course. Yes. So I went out there. Uh, there were two of us running the race, me and another girl, Jen Kirkpatrick. From Ninja? Yes. And then Greg came out. He was my pacer. And um, I remember just that race was harder than anything I had done up to that point. And early in the race, like mile 35, I was like, no. <laughs> I'm dropping. Like, I'm not going to be able to do this. Wow. Why so early in the race? What was it about? It? I don't know. It just, it was just harder than what I had done before. And I guess I just hit a low point mentally at that mm -hmm. point. And ultra running is kind of more mental, actually, I think, than physical a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And I kind of did have just a pity party out there for a minute. Like I stopped and I'm dropping at the next aid station. Mm -hmm. I texted Greg, I'm dropping. But the next a station is when he was supposed to pick me up to pace. Mm, I'm sure he wasn't having any of that. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. He had the speech ready. Like, he had the speech ready. But, of course, by the time I get to that point, I've already had that talk with myself. Right. Because I already know, kind of in the back of my mind, what Greg's going to say. And I just remember walking up and seeing him. And he's like, you know, I'm like, let's just keep going. Just keep going. <laughs> let's not talk for a minute. <laughs> and we're just going to keep going. And we did. And we just you know, did the best to make that, that 55 mile cutoff and we didn't. Mm. So you gave it everything you had. It just didn't, just didn't. Yeah. Work. I look back and think if I wouldn't have stopped and just had my little pity party on the trail, would I have made that cutoff mm. or not? I don't know, but I'm going to go back to that race one year because it's a good race. Yeah. Heflin, Alabama. This is a, that's a big point to point hundred miler, right? Yes. And that's really, I mean, that really appeals. Oh yeah. It makes you feel like you really went somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's a great race. I'll go back there one day. That's awesome. And I know you have kids. Yes. So how old are your kids? At what point along the way were they, did they come into the picture? So I have a 23 year old um, who's grown and in, in the real world <laughs> working. And then I have a 13 year old. Okay. Yeah. We, we kind of joke and say we have two only children in our house. Yeah. 
And so I actually started running though when my son was the he's my twenty three year old um, when he was two. Mm-hmm. So um, that's when it started. And so they've never not known me not running. Yeah. And when your daughter was born, did that have an effect on your running training? You know, just outlook and you know it's. It's kind of odd and kind of probably way off topic a little bit. Um, Go for it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, and I mean, a lot of women may relate to this. And so there's a big gap between my kids. Mm. And so we had had some fertility problems. Um, I just couldn't stay pregnant. Like I could get pregnant and then mm. it just didn't stay. Mm. And so we finally given up, like trying to have our, a second baby. And that's when I trained to go to Chicago. Mm to Chicago. I was like, you know what? I'm done, you know, trying and I'm done with all of, you know, you just get to that point where you're kind of done with all that. And so, um, trained for Chicago. That's probably the best shape I've ever been in, in my whole life. Mm. And the week we were leaving to go to Chicago marathon, I just kind of knew right. I might be pregnant. And so fail now is pregnant with my daughter like three days before we went to Chicago Marathon. Wow. And so um, kind of made the decision. I was like, I'm going anyway. You know, this has not really worked and up at this point. And um, I don't, I've done all this training. I've worked so hard. And so we went, me and my friend who I'd always run with, we went, ran Chicago. And that year, it was um, 2007, was like the hottest year on record mm. at the Chicago Marathon. Mm-hmm. And they basically kind of stopped the race. I mean, we finished the race, but they made us stop running at close to mile 16-ish. Wow. And had like these huge fire hoses out and made you walk through the water. And basically, it was crazy. It sounded like a war zone there. You just saw people walking off the road, collapsing. Like there were numbers you could call to figure out where your people were, like in med tents and all this stuff. And so I finished when we walked it in, basically. Walked that race in and came back from that race and ended up having my daughter. Wow, congratulations. (laughs) But I did not run anymore during that whole pregnancy. Um, Just didn't run. Not because I thought it was unsafe. It just kind of appeased some of my family members Mm. to not, you know, that nothing happened. So didn't run at all anymore until she was born. Mm -hmm. And then when she was born, I mean, it was probably six weeks later. As soon as I could run again. Started doing it again. We started running again. Thank you for sharing that. I'm sure there's there's lots of women that can can relate to that. That's, yeah, that's super. Yeah, that cool. was kind of the story with that. So yeah, my kids have never not, known, especially my daughter. Like she doesn't even know me not running. Right. Like this is a way of life. That on Saturdays I'm gone in the mornings and. And what does your daughter just, think of you as a runner? Does she does she talk to other people you know, about it? No. <laughs> <laughs> You know, my dream is for one of my children to be a runner. And um, my son, I've lost on that one for sure. My daughter, though, is starting high school this year, and she's actually going to run cross country Mm. um, for the first time. And so I'm super excited about that. I'm trying not to push her and let her do it on her own, let her like it. You know, I don't want to stress her out or anything. I want her to really like it. The best thing about high school cross country is the team. In the team events. That is what everyone says. And so I'm so excited about it. Yeah. She was very excited. We went and like got her fitted for running shoes and all the stuff. So she's excited right now. So I'm excited. <laughs> just don't push too hard, mom. <laughs> no, I'm not. I just stay back. I'm not like I have not pushed at all. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So you have this big 
DNF at this 100 miler in Penhody in 2019. Yes. And then, of course, yes. you continue. I mean, anyone who goes and looks at Kelly Mims on Ultra Sign Up or any other results, you're going to see just race after race after race. Yeah. So you have run a lot, a many, many, many 50Ks, right. of 50 milers, et cetera. But then, of course, as we roll into 2020, Mm-hmm. You came in at the Cross Timbers Trail Race and that 50K, yes. third from the back on the glorious DFL podium, yes. which uh, congratulations on that. <laughs> but you know, I was actually second in that race. So I was second female. Second female, third from the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was oh. called just not getting lost. Nice. You know, I just persevered out there. <laughs> And so there were some much faster people than me out there that got lost. Oh. But, and that course is crazy hard for Texas. But yeah. <laughs> but that race in February, of course, happens right before the pandemic. So I'm really curious about after race, after race, after race, after race, this is just like your thing. Yeah, right. And then the pandemic happens. And yeah. I'm curious about how that affected you personally, your outlook on life, your training, your racing, and how hard was that for you to adjust? Um, so like, you know, when the pandemic first hit, then, you know, nobody was running together. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we couldn't even have like an unofficial group run or anything like that. So you're basically just training on your own. Yeah. And, and for me at that point to work was crazy. So I work mm-hmm. in a school. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden we, you know, went to spring break and we never came back work was like all the time then because we're figuring out how we're doing school virtually. And so yeah, work kind of super, took over at that point. Yeah. Um, I was still running, um, just kind of took a little, not a break completely, but training went way down yeah. because nobody really, I mean, you weren't training for anything. Yeah. Well, let me say an official thank you uh, for being an educator of our kids during that super challenging time. I'm sure it was really, really stressful. Yes, it was. uh, Yeah. (laughs) And then the next year was the same. You know, we, um, you know, came back to school. We're virtual. We're not virtual. We're virtual. Um, So just dealing with that. So, but during that whole time, though, kept running. Just, you mm-hmm. know, you're kind of, everybody's kind of like on their own though. Still had a training plans. Greg was still training me, but, um, just not really training for anything. Right. There's no big thing on the calendar. Mm-hmm. And by January of 2021, you were back out racing, not a ton of races in 2021, just, just a few here and there no. compared to all of your other years. Yeah. So there's some races up in Arkansas. I love racing in mm. Arkansas. Like I just love those trails. I love the the people up there. Their trail racing community is amazing. Mm. So there's a couple races that we always do up there. There's the Athens Big Fork Marathon that we do. And then we do the Wachita um, switchbacks in Oklahoma. So it's back to back weekends. One side's on the Arkansas side of the Wachita mountains and the next weekend's on the Oklahoma okay. side. You did running the rows in January, did the 56 K out in Tyler, Texas. Yeah. So I've done all of those three races thinking I was going to run love it 100 oh. in February, but just didn't feel trained mm. enough to do that and so deferred to 2022 to this year where is love it 100 it's in the same area outside of hot springs at lake wachita in arkansas so it was supposed to be this february 
And so me and actually the girl I went to Pinhoti with, we were both going to do the 100 miler there in February. And then we had an ice storm hit Dallas. Oh, yeah. That was world national news. Yes. So it was literally game time decision for us. We were packed. I mean, drop bags are ready. We're ready to go. And the weather between here and there was just really kind of sketchy. I didn't even know if I could get out of my drive, out of my neighborhood, basically, Mm -hmm. with the ice. Um, So people that are not from Texas, ice shuts us down. (laughs) We are not equipped for this. And then, you know, there's the safety of my crew is driving up there. Our pacers are all getting there. You know, you feel kind of responsible for them because they're going to go. If you're going, they're going to go no matter what. And then it just got to be like, we just didn't feel as safe to ask our crew and pacers to go, mm-hmm. you know, because the, the race is constantly sending out updates of whether they're, we didn't even know if they were going to cancel. We right. really felt like they were going to cancel and then they didn't. Right. And which was great that they didn't. But then when they did it, you know, our crew is all gung ho, you know, make sure you're packing this and packing this. And we're like, well, guys, <laughs> um, we're not going to go. Um, we've decided, you know, not to go. We just don't feel like it's safe. And there's always another race. I mean, you have to decide at some point, you know, there's always going to be another race. So you deferred from February of this year to February of 2023. So again, yeah, so that's second deferral because the first 2021, I just didn't feel trained. So we are planning to go back, but um, there's several of us. I'm actually running Lake Murray 100 miler in October. Yes. And before we talk about that, because I do want to chat about that, unpack for me this really, really bad day just a few weeks ago in May (laughs) at Flower Moon. 50 miler, you've done a ton of 50 milers, right? This should be... Yeah. In the bag, no big deal. What happened that day? First of all, let me say, Jeremy Harrison, who puts that race on, Outlaw Racing, I mean, he does a fantastic race. Mm. The volunteers are like second to none. I, I can't even imagine how much ice he bought that day because it was so hot. So what had happened or with me on that race, I had actually had oral surgery about three weeks before that race. Ooh. And so knew that race was coming up. And I had been on antibiotics that just kind of destroyed my stomach a little bit. I don't have stomach problems usually during a race. That's not anything I've ever really had to worry about. So the race starts and it's hot, Mm -hmm. but we knew that going in, it was going to be hot. We were ready for that part. So it's a loop race. Four loops, I think. Four loops. Yeah. 11 miles. First loop was good. Started to go back on that second loop and my stomach just like, I was like, something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Like... Didn't even get, I don't know, not very far. And I'm like making an emergency stop off the trail. And so that continues for most of that second loop. And we had gone up there. I've never gone with a group of girls and us kind of decide to stay together. You know, Mm -hmm. even when we go, you know, it's always kind of everybody runs their own race. But, you know, we were just going to kind of stick together. We all are about the same speed anyway. One of the girls got hurt. She sprained her ankle. So we had slowed down and we were walking with her a little bit. So got to the third loop and I ended up with her kind of just hiking Mm -hmm. with her, which was actually, it was so hot. It was actually fine Mm -hmm. at that point. And then I had this giant nosebleed in the middle of the race that I've never had happen. I'm like, what else? Like, what? Where is that coming from? 
I'm like, this has never happened before. But of course, you know, I had a buff. I just kind of like twist it up, shove it up my nose. You know, you just keep going. You know? One thing you learn about trail running, one, you lose all modesty and there's just nothing really gross anymore. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just like, yeah. you just keep going. And so I came in from the fourth loop thinking I was going to have to do that fourth loop by myself because my whole other group had gotten a little ahead of us. But they actually were still at start finish. So we go back out for that fourth loop and we're basically like, we just want to finish at this point. We didn't expect to be out there after dark mm. for very long. We knew we'd be out there after dark, but we thought not very long. So one of the girls, I let her have my good light and I kept my light that didn't last very long. We go out, we're about a mile and a half from the finish and literally it starts lightning and thundering. Oh. And we're like, how else could this race finish, you know? <laughs> and then my light goes out. So I like have my cell phone, like total rookie here, mistake. And I'm like running with my cell phone. It's storming like crazy. With the buff stuff up your nose. <laughs> yeah, buff stuff up your nose. It's just crazy. And then we finish. And what was funny about it is there were three of us. And one girl, she's a little younger than us. We're all talking about Who's going to be last? Because mm-hmm. we even asked the people at the last aid station, are we last? And of course, they won't tell you because right. I'm mean, like, oh, I just keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> and so we didn't know for sure if we were actually last. Yeah. And we're coming in like, who's going to be the last one to cross? And I'm like, I'll be the last one to cross. You volunteered. I'll volunteer. And we, but we talked about how we're like, I don't think, you know, Jeremy actually gives an award for that because he's pretty lenient. Like as long as you keep moving, he's going to let you finish mm, a race. Yeah. So we cross the finish line and then the guy comes out and he's like, okay, who was actually the last finisher? And I'm like, Oh, well, I was, he's, Oh, we have a plaque for you. I'm like, yes. you got a plaque <laughs> for being DFL. Yeah. I'm like, see what happens girls. Oh, <laughs> you that's know? awesome. And of course my kids are like, don't put a picture of that on social media. <laughs> <laughs> you have to. And I'm like, no, that's cool. Yeah. And they're like, no, no, it's uh, not. That's awesome. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. That's good to hear yeah. the ups, downs, highs, and lows of a super crazy race. And that can happen to you after years and years and years of training and racing. And- oh, most definitely. Like, you know, every race is just kind of different. Like, you never really know what's going to happen. Yeah. So for the remainder of the year... In October, you're going to do Lake Murray 100 miler. Yes. You've had this 100 miler that you've been wanting to do. You've deferred it twice. Mm -hmm. How are you feeling going in? It's been a minute. Well, (laughs) right, which is another thing about Flower Moon is that's why I really needed to finish that race Mm -hmm. mentally. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, it would have been great not to be like, I'm going with that. But it had been like, I mean, since 2019, since I'd even run 50 miles. Mm. And knowing I could still do that. And so that was a big, huge confidence boost finishing that 50 miler at Flower Moon. So I'm feeling really good. Um, We don't know yet, but we'll probably do a 50 miler in September. Mm -hmm. We have looked at some different races. And I say we, because there's a group of us that are doing like Murray. So um, we want to do kind of the same 50 miler together to prepare. Well, myself and all the Chasing Cutoffs audience are super excited for you for these upcoming races. This is going to be really, really cool to follow your journey. But before we get there, outside of running, do you have any other passions, things that you're really interested in doing or or that take up your time? You know, um, I'm kind of an artsy, craftsy kind of person. You know, I do a lot of sewing, kind of that kind of stuff. Other than that, I went to graduate school. I just finished graduate school a year ago. So. 
So on top of running, that's kind of what I did during the pandemic. And what was your degree? What did you get? I went back and got my um, graduate certificate in math from Texas Tech. And so did that during um, the pandemic. Nice. Before we wrap, we're going to go into the chasing cutoffs lightning round. I call it fast twitch, slow twitch. Okay. So I'm going to ask you several questions. (laughs) Number one, would you rather come in first in a marathon or DFL in a hundred miler? Oh, DSL and the 100 miler. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> no hesitation. None at all. No, no way. Dogs or cats? Cats. Oh, interesting. You have a house full of cats? No, just two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sweet or salty? Salty. Mm, what's your go to? I'm a pickles and chips person during a race. Love like, it. I'm a Pringles and pickles all the way. That's awesome. What is your trailhead access vehicle? A forerunner. I love that. Yes, I love my forerunner. Are you a naturally competitive person? Oh, completely. <laughs> you don't want me on your team, actually, because like at school, anytime we do anything competitive, people are like, you know, they know I'm out to win. <laughs> Dial it down a little bit, Kelly. <laughs> yeah, we're going to win. Koros, Garmin, Sunto, or other? Garmin. All right. I am Team Garmin. Are you able to do trail math in your head while running? I'm asking a mathematician here. You know, that is what's so funny. The entire time I run a race, I break it into fractions the whole time. Fractions? Yeah. So like <laughs> at Flarmin, you know, you're like a fourth finish. Okay. We're a tenth finish. We're like constantly, like I'm constantly breaking it into fractions. Wow. Now, can I do pace time and all that? No. <laughs> Not during a race. All right. But yes, I'm constantly breaking it up. What is your worst injury ever? You know, I've been super lucky not to get injured like really bad, but I guess it was two summers ago. I actually got injured on my paddleboard. We were on vacation. <laughs> okay. And I was in Alabama, actually, we were at Orange Beach and tried to stand up on my paddleboard in the ocean and fell and just played on my feet and hurt my knee. Oh. That It wasn't terrible. I'm just a sprain basically. But, oh, but of course, the minute I hit the water, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm injured. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> I got hurt on my paddleboard. <laughs> I love good. paddleboarding and that's the worst way to get hurt. Yes. What was your toughest finish ever? Uh, it's gotta be the 100 miler. That was, that was tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When things are getting really tough out there on the trail, do you have any kind of self-talk or mantra that you tell yourself other than doing fractions in your head? Yeah, it's just, you know, just keep moving. You know, um, I used to have like written on my road ID, it says kill the bear. It's from that movie and I'm totally went blank on the movie. Um, <laughs> the edge. Yes, the edge. And he's like, I'm going to kill the bear. I just love that scene. And so I used to write that. I used to be on my road ID. And so that was just kind of my mantra, you know, to finish. But really when it gets tough, you just have to keep moving. And if you just keep moving, eventually it goes away. Like it gets mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. I know it's going to get better. I hope it does. Love that. Kill the bear. Do you have a dream destination or race that you really want to do? I want to run a race in another country. Uh, probably my dream, dream race would be to do Cape Wrath in Scotland. Cape Wrath in Scotland. Wow, I've never heard of that race. It's a, um like seven days long where you do a different distance. It oh, just happened. Wow. 
Oh, like a it's a, a stage race. Yeah, stage race. And so if you've ever watched Outlander. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't say I have, but yes. Yeah, so it's, um, I have another friend who really wants to do it, and he's the one who told me about it. And oh my gosh, that's where Outlander is. Like, that's the whole show is right there in oh, Scotland. Wow. And so um, I think if I had to do a dream race, that would be it. Cool. That's a great answer. I love that. Yeah. What is your craziest animal encounter? Oh, goodness. Probably the scariest thing I've seen are, are wild hogs. We see those a lot in Texas. Oh, those are scary. Yes. I've seen those a few times running. Would you rather crew, pace, or volunteer at an aid station? I love to crew. Like, I could be a professional crew person. Nice. (laughs) If that was a job, I would, like, I like that almost as much as racing. Just being at the race and crewing. Like, I love it. What is easier for you to manage on race day? GI distress or a fall? Um, probably GI distress. I, I don't really have lots of knock on wood. That's not usually an issue for me. I've fallen a couple, I mean, everybody's fallen yeah. <laughs> a few times. But And I think that's um, maybe one of the reasons I'm a little slower because I don't want to fall. <laughs> so probably the GI stress is easier to manage. Last question. There is a lot of attention on our sport now, and you've been around a while, and you've seen the sport grow year over year over year. Mm-hmm. Lots of money pouring in, lots of uh, focus on elite athletes and professionalizing the sport, and mergers and acquisitions, and the Ironman right. group is now involved with UTMB, and the Spartan group is getting involved. Right. What impact do you think all of that growth is going to have on the back of the pack? Gosh... I personally tend to shy away from those big kind of races like that and want to just do the more, you know, smaller or less, you know, those races that aren't going to buy into all that or, you know, be sold to those organizations. I mean, not that they don't put on great races, but those are just not the races that I want to do. You like the grassroots homegrown races. I do. I just like that community that fits around me. And have you seen any impact on the back of the pack in those communities, or is it just as great as it always was? I think it's always great. I mean, I just think it's very inclusive, and, you know, everybody's out there to cheer everybody on, and you want everybody to finish. Yeah. It's competitive, and, of course, there's people that want to win and be elite. Right. But, you know, you still, those people will stay out there and watch till the last people come in. That's so cool. So... For people out there who want to continue to follow your journey, how can they find you? Are you on Instagram? I am on Instagram. I am Kelly, K-E-L-L-E-Y, Mims, M-I-M-S. Very cool. Well, I really appreciate you saying yes and agreeing to come on the show. I think this has been super fun. Well, thank you for having me. Hey, thanks so much, Kelly, for coming on the show. And thank you for listening. Have you checked out the Strava Club yet? I would love it if you would join. If you are on Strava and you want to connect with other back-of-the-packers, other cutoff-chasing folks like yourself, this is a chance to meet and greet with some of our former guests. And hint, hint, future guests are on there too. So you want to check it out, get in there, and get yourself featured because I think we can have a lot of fun with this. And fact, folks like Mo Reeves are in there, who is amazing, and a bunch of other former guests like Tony Gillum from last week. And I think you're just going to have a lot of fun giving kudos and giving encouragement to people who are just 
crushing it with some really super impressive slow times, but also some incredible climbing as well. My gosh, the vertical climbing. I mean, you guys are crazy. So get in there, check out the Chasing Cutoffs Club on Strava. Just click in there and look for clubs and just search for Chasing Cutoffs. You can find it there. And if you want to reach out and say, hey, you can find us at Chasing Cutoffs on Instagram. And until next week, wherever you are at in your cutoff chasing journey, for myself, producer Daisy, and all of us at Chasing Cutoffs, keep crushing the miles and let's flip the script on slow. <laughs>